Assembly of Speech Service Murmurings.
I've always had that mindset, and it's a stupid mindset, uh, and I agree totally. I've always had that mind, mindset that my child has to be in school, that it's the best place for them. Um, but when you've got a child who has a debilitating fear and full-on, like, fear, um, fight-flight kind of um, reaction to, to certain events and certain locations, um, and despite them being, what, top student in the class, uh, top student in their year, like, academically incredibly strong with, um, and this is where my kind of, uh, concern as a parent, as, my, as, as me and my wife, was we want them to do, we want to meet their potential and do their very best in life, um, and they can be absolutely anything. Um, <clears throat> I've always considered them to be gifted and talented, uh, which, is on, which is on that range of kind of educational needs, because they, they need kind of additional support in order to, to meet that sort of criteria and to kind of meet the expectations. And as parents, we don't put kind of um, academic targets on our children. Um, it's more behavioral to make sure that they're, they're courteous, they're kind, they're, they have good friendships, they're trustworthy, and all that, so we're respectful of others. So that's, that's, they're the sort of targets we put on them. We're not, we're not kind of parents that are focused on the academics because we know we're lucky we have very very bright children but um one particular oh at the moment one particular child has this debilitating fear and you know, started yesterday morning thinking you know we're going to try we're just going to try um if we see if we can get them into school and um we tried the we tried every single approach in the book um we from kind of having a nice set routine, she has a nice, nice new school, new school coat, new school bag, new school shoes, and they were really on board. And you can see that they're really, really, really trying. Um, and it's difficult as a parent because they're trying, and you really want them to go to school because that's that's in your mind the best place for them. Um, and therefore, you you are. And then how stressful it is getting four kids ready in the morning. Uh, I had to try to at the same time that I, I had to prep and be ready for by kind of just after the school run. So kind of tension's high, and I think we put unreasonable expectations on ourselves for, the, for our child to get to school and be in school for the day. And it's unreasonable, which we then, and those, because those targets are so high, and the target should have been for them to get their uniform on and just to sit in the car and be with their, their siblings and let them go to school. Um, but unfortunately, we, we put these unreasonable expectations on ourselves because we feel, as parents, we fail if we don't, if we're not able to do it. And I work, with, I work with these parents, I work with these kids, and I reassure them that they are not failing. Um, but as a parent, I, I, I've always said I struggle to take my own advice. Um, so we managed to get school uniform on, and then it was taken off, and then we had some kind of the very challenging kind of behaviours. <clears throat> which the whole family has to witness, but um, but that the child who's presenting with the child's behaviours, it's it's not them if that makes sense. It's 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 a kind of overriding fear that they have no control of. And I, which when we step back from the situation, I was like, right, you know what? If I was pet, I'm petrified of snakes. If I was told I'd spend my whole day in a room full of snakes and even hold snakes and smell snakes, um, for the whole day. I would be absolutely petrified. I did a skydive years ago for Chariot, and I was petrified on my way up, but it was such a short activity, which I eventually enjoyed. But 
it was such a short activity, but the build-up and the fear and the, that horrible kind of and the anxiety and oh, it was hell. But that's a tiny, tiny fraction of what my child is and what lots of children feel um, when it comes to going to school. And we've done really well in terms of trying to unpick with private clinical psychologists and a private child and adolescent psychiatrist and a private educational psychologist trying to unpick and a private OT um, trying to unpick what the fear is and why there is anxiety and then to work on it through EMDR and through CBT and we are making legwork but I think what we did yesterday we failed as parents and it, I mean I, I, we spent a lot of time crying yesterday um, because we, we did fail we, we failed because our target was way too high our our target of getting them to school and staying in school for the day was way too high because that mindset and the CAMS advice was they have to go to school. We have two conflicting sorts of sets of CAMS advice. We've been on the waiting list for 11 months, but we've managed to get advice, one from the one, one of the lead occupational therapists, another one from one of the senior nurses. The lead OT says your child cannot go to school. They physically cannot go to school. The head of um, nursing or the lead nurse said your child has to go to school. That's, that's, what, that's your time, they have to go to school. So we've got this conflicting advice, and even though this is my trade, what I do day in, day out, stepping back and saying, what is best for this child? What do we need to do? Um, we, were really, we struggled to do, and we, on the build-up to the day, we felt that we were getting somewhere, in the sense that the anxiety, so it's a really, really amazing summer, and uh, the, the kids were kids in terms of siblings bicker and stuff, but they, they were they were so good together and we had such an amazing time on holiday and the summer break. We just had we still love the summer break. And therefore we kind of felt that our expectations on going to school on the first day would have been absolutely fine. But we failed as parents. We 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 went too hard in terms of that our target was far too high. And and therefore when your target's high you're stressed, you want to meet that target, and because you don't want to fail, because <clears throat> you've booked in other things to do on that day, um, because you expect that your child will be in school. Um, so we, we lacked that flexibility, and I think we needed to step back and say, look, we need to re we need to readjust what our target is. Maybe it's going to school for a half an hour. Maybe it's just put a uniform on and run the school run. Maybe we need to break down that target and make it more achievable so that we can all experience success, uh, but especially our child, uh, because they need to feel success. They need to feel that they're not the odd one out. Um, what happened yesterday, well, I, I've seen it happen with lots of families, um, and when you've got a kind of school-based anxiety, anxiety disorder, um, and also generalised anxiety and anxiety around lots of the things around life, um, you kind of... Everything can be totally debilitating, um, and it was a real eye opener again yesterday, which um, I'm not. It's hard not to dwell on. But now we've readjusted, and we've got a school meeting uh, coming up. Um, what today? Um, so I'm zooming off to an assessment to come back. I've got kind of enough time to do both today. Um, I had to rearrange them two assessments this morning so I can get into the school meeting. But we have to remember that. Our child needs to feel safe, they need to feel secure before they're anywhere near able to learn and anywhere near able to engage in social, in kind of social situations. And 
when you are terrified going into a situation, you are, your brain is shutting down in terms of your capacity to learn, your capacity to engage with us, your capacity to retain information. It's just, it's just not possible. And therefore, our target now is to make sure that our child is, uh, feels safe, feels secure, um, is comfortable, trusts us as parents that we're not going to say, we'll drop you off for an hour and pick you up at the end of the day. We didn't do that. Um, but today's target was to go in for go in for the first half of the day. And they went in for the first half of the day. And yes, there were tears. Yes, there were um, kind of real difficulty getting the uniform on. Um, and the difficulty of eating breakfast, difficulty of having a drink, difficulty of getting in the car. But we've, we've learned a lot from our mistake. And we know that tomorrow could be, could be worse. We know that tomorrow we might have a child that can't get out of bed. But it's is stepping back as a parent, remembering that they do not have any control over this. Um, they don't have control over what they're saying at the time. They don't have control over they physically don't have control over what is happening. And if I was in a room or being trying to push, if someone was trying to push me into a room for the snake, I would do absolutely everything to not be in that room for the snake. And I have to keep bringing it back to when you've got a debilitating fear. And my fear of snakes is not debilitating. I mean, I, I can go to a zoo. I can go to an insect room and see them behind the cage. It is not as strong as what my child's fear is of school and what lots of children's fear is of school. And when we step back from this and we think, I've been to so many tribunals and appeals where we've got local authorities arguing this child needs to go to school and these parents are... Uh, have kind of letters coming down where they're getting fines or they're getting kind of warnings and there's this push from the school because their child is defined as fine in school, then it's it's just wrong. Uh, our child's always been described as fine. Uh, absolutely. There's a brilliant Facebook group called Define Fine uh, and it's for children that really, really, really struggle getting into school and, and a lot are going down the home education route. Um, and it's easy to define, it's easy for a child to say a child is fine when they are able to hold it together. Um, and my child is amazing at holding it together and masking what their needs are throughout the school day. But at the end of the school day, we've had that bottle of, you know, everyone knows the analogy of the bottle of Coke. Uh, we've got like a, a, a full-on keg of Coke that's been shook up, shook up, shook up. So when we're right at the end of throwing a mentor into it or a whole pack of mentors into it, and if you haven't seen what that looks like, have a look on TikTok or YouTube. And it's boom. Um, and that's what we have experienced a lot as parents. And I don't tend to mean, I, I share a lot on my podcast. I share a lot on Twitter. I share a lot on social media about my family. But um, I've, I've not really shared too much about this. But the reason I am is because I emphasize and I'm learning and I'm taking on advice. And I'm, I'm in that situation where I'm having to say to a school, look, what does fine look like? We're sent to a local authority. Is this typical and what support is needed outside of typical resources um, in order to make sure my child can have an education, can meet their potential? Uh, what sort of assessments need to be looked at? In the CAMS, geez, CAMS, 11 months on a waiting list, absolutely nothing uh, in terms of support. One choice appointment, which was where they made promises to my child, uh, and that was oh, nine months ago they made promises to my child that they'd access um, therapy soon, and then nine months later I say nothing, and my child's like, wait a second, you said I was going to get that, now I'm not getting anything, and when you see a deterioration in 
kind of functioning skills and men- and kind of wider mental health, you would wonder how families that don't have the means to go private are coping and whether they are coping and at what point the child does meet criteria for accessing these services. Um, because if our chaplain at I see I, I I don't know I came out of my blessed mental health secure unit and I know where things can go and I'm blessed and we're blessed as a family that I'm I'm so busy with my day job doing these appeals and assessments that I'm able to or we're able to to afford to commission people privately. I'm also blessed that I know so many people within what I call the trade. So we have EPs, clinical psychologists, psychiatrists, and OT speech therapists that I've worked with for years. Uh, one of my best mates is, uh, well, three people that I see as very close friends are SEN solicitors, and they're also three of the best. Um, so I'm in a very privileged position, and I totally understand and appreciate that. And yet, we go to bed crying. We wake up we wake up with anxiety. We, we are going through kind of very traumatic experiences. And I know that everyone's situation is different, but... I can't imagine and I cannot empathise with families that don't have any support and they're the families that I tend to work with when I'm doing legal aid assessments I'm doing a lot of legal aid assessments these families that have had nothing like absolutely nothing um, you know, I was yesterday a five year old um, outside I did my finished tribunal early um, and and assessment the five year old and this five year old uh, diagnosed autistic global public Disorder, language disorder, and they have no functional means of communicating. They've never ever seen a speech language therapist. And they've only seen an occupational therapist because parents um, on their credit cards are paying for occupational therapy um, because they can see what the impact of OT is on vocalizations and kind of in, um, how they engage in sense of traction and joint changing skills. So it's, <clears throat> it's heartbreaking doing the work that we do and we do it because when I do it and I don't admit the vast majority of people that I've come across do it because they care about the situation that people are in and I, I do it essentially because I know from our perspective what it feels like to have a child that has a, some additional kind of need and and I just I don't know I, I, I'll, I'll do my utmost to ensure that any child that I assess and any child that I work with gets what they need. And people, if, if you've seen me in tribunals or you've seen my, seen my reports, you'll understand what, where I'm coming from. Um, but this is some of the, the fuel from a personal perspective as to why I work the way I do and why I don't turn down referrals. And I've got, tomorrow I've got five assessments tomorrow, two sets of siblings um, and then another one. Uh, and I'm doing a 600-mile round trip. And friends of mine who are EPs that are kind of been doing kind of independent assessments and appeals for like 20, 30 years, saying, look, you're going to burn out. You, you, you need to just slow it down. And I think maybe in a few years I will slow down the amount of work I do. But right now I'm, I'm driven by a passion. I'm driven by kind of what I see as kind of inequalities in healthcare, inequalities in education and access to services um, and the, the absolute, as I always say, the absolute postcode lottery as to where you live determines what, what services you might get and how good that therapist might be and how much the local authority might, might spend on additional support. Um, 
and it does, it, it affects, it does, it is like that. Um, so, right, um, I'm going to head off as a long, very long uh, podcast, I do apologise. Um, sending positive thoughts to absolutely everybody. Um, we, we are literally all in this together, and I, yeah, it, it's just, we pick people up, like, as much as we can. It, it, there's so much difference especially on Twitter and on speech therapy, so much highlighting of differences, so much highlighting of kind of um, issues. And yes, keep highlighting issues, highlight differences, but we need to be in this together. We need to, within FDM, we need to be building each other up because those that we are technically against, and yet yeah, don't forget, I work for both sides. I'm an independent speech therapist. I work for local authorities. I work for parents. I work for legal aid. Whoever it is, I work with them. But... <sighs> Local authorities often have unlimited resources <coughs> to fight from a legal perspective and from an assessment perspective. They can commission another therapist, and we've seen it those times, but they commission another therapist because they're not happy with the therapist report they've received. Um, so we just have to remember that if we fight together and we share our stories, it, as I feel by sharing this, it might help some families to appreciate just that they're not alone in their situation and there's some amazing Facebook groups that, that kind of remind people that they're not alone but I think as clinicians if we're in this situation I mean I, I've, I've taken the step of sharing my, our journey and I'll share bits of it I, we, obviously we want to maintain some, some level of kind of personal space as we call it um, but no, right enjoy the rest of your day, take care bye